It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, for the first time in podcast history, we we missed a week there. Uh, poor planning on our part. Basically, uh, I was off on vacation and basically just totally forgot to tell my co-hosts. So that's on me. Uh, but we are back this week, and I hope you guys didn't miss us too much. We had... You know, it's the middle of July. There's not a whole lot going on. So I I guess to justify my behavior here, uh, if there was a time to ever miss a week of the podcast, this is probably that time. But uh, no, it it feels good to be back. I am solo here today. I'm recording like late uh, when I got home from vacation on Sunday and it was just uh, didn't want to work out Scott's schedule too bad uh, to start his work week. So I decided to ride this one solo. Um, yeah, was on vacation last week, had a good time, uh, spent some time on the beach, spent some time with my family, my dog. It was, it was a great time. Kind of unplugged a little bit. I've been really off of Twitter for like 10 days. I, I feel like I might have missed something. So if, if I did, forgive me. I, I've been checking the feeds uh, of any important news that's coming out and of course been posting the uh the countdown the player countdown which has gotten tons of interaction which is a lot of fun you know people telling stories about some of these old players that that I wasn't even alive to watch it's been a really good time you know this this weekend we had number 46 Ron Hatcher number 47 Al Doro number 48 the great Percy Snow um, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's it's been really interesting to to see people really enjoying this. I guess like every one of these tweets is getting like a hundred likes, and and people are tagging the players. I had like Tabor Pepper quote tweeted his. Greg Jones is quote tweeting his. Um, really cool. Really, really, really enjoyable. I I appreciate all the feedback and everything that we get on social media. But uh, yeah, we're back on the podcast. Uh, hopefully last week was the anomaly and, and we'll never have that situation again. We're trying to, you know, really be consistent with this. I, I know that you guys appreciate that. So let's get into the to the stuff here. We got a couple commitments that I had missed uh, during my time that we'll get into. I was watching some huddle tape here this morning. Uh, we got a little bit of news 
not a whole lot. And then uh, what I'm going to do today is is part of a couple ad- episodes we mentioned on on a previous podcast. You know, just kind of a segment idea that that we were doing like player over unders. Well, that's more when Scott and I are together. <laughs> One of the things that I'm doing right now is I'm I'm knee deep in my college football preview magazine season. Uh, I got Athlon here in front of me, which is one that I'll touch on on the podcast today, give you some of the kind of key thoughts, because I, I know most of you don't want to go out and spend 80 bucks on five different magazines like I do. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you the interesting tidbits. I'll give you the, the main pieces of information here that I thought were interesting from each one. Um, I got Athlon in front of me. I got Phil Steele sitting next to me. I got PFF on my computer and I'm waiting for pick six previews is the other one that I get every year. So those four, um, we'll do a, a short segment on, on each of them throughout different podcasts. I'll just kind of touch on some things that I thought were interesting. Athlon has a couple interesting pieces where, you know, of course you get the projected order of finish. You get the all big 10 teams. Um, <clears throat> You get their projected depth chart. You get some good stats here and there. The one thing Athlon does that nobody else does that I, I've always found really interesting is um, basically the the opposing coaches, they, they go around the Big Ten and they get anonymous quotes from other coaches about each Big Ten team. And I always think these are really interesting because you, you get a coach who's Sometimes a little bit unfiltered in, in what they have to say about uh, different programs, knowing they have that anonymity. I, I know last year there was one that that I pointed directly at Jim Harbaugh, um, something about how their recruiting in the state of Michigan has has taken a nosedive and they're not going to be able to get that talent back in, in house and so it is really interesting sometimes to hear these these coaches be able to kind of speak unfiltered about different programs when asked. You can kind of see, right, who's who's got a bone to pick with you and and who's speaking maybe a little bit more um politely, if you will. Uh there there were a couple interesting quotes in there, so we'll we'll touch on that. We'll see if any of our our guys were on any all Big 10 teams. We'll see um, you know, how they have us projected some interesting, they, they had a couple interesting picks on the depth chart as well. The projected depth chart as, as we look forward and try to figure out who's going to be starting for, for our Spartans week one, North, Northwestern coming up pretty quick here, man. We're, we're right around the corner. We're down into the forties as far as the number of days left before that kickoff. So we'll see what Athlon had to say about that. But first let's talk about these commitments. We got, Jack Nickel out of Georgia, really exciting pickup. This is somebody, so he's a tight end out of Georgia. He had a big offer list. He was a high three-star kind of guy, six foot four, two hundred thirty pounds. I think he's the the fourth uh, commitment from the state of Georgia. Was previously committed to Notre Dame, but his, uh, I mean, his offer list is is really impressive. You've got obviously Notre Dame on there. I think his finalists were were Cal, Virginia Tech. He had a Florida State offer on there. Iowa, LSU, Miami, Northwestern, Oregon, Penn State, uh, Wisconsin. You had some really good schools that were after this kid, and and Mel Tucker and the staff did a good job of getting him in house. After watching the the huddle tape, 
a bit more of the kind of pro style tight end. Um, you know, we we talked about the previous tight end commitment in this class, Michael Masunas. Um, they're both pretty similar players. They're big blocking kind of old school tight ends who certainly can give you something in the passing game, but that's not going to be their bread and butter. And the interesting part of that is is how this staff, you know, we we talked f- for days about how bad this tight end room was uh, when Mel Tucker took over this team and how that was one of these positions that we just really needed to figure out. Well, they went out and got a Cam Allen, a, a big pass catching threat, more of like a that wide receiver type of pass catching tight end. They bring in Malik Carr from Purdue, former four star out of the state of Michigan, who is in that same mold. He actually, you know, was a recruited as a wide receiver. Now thoughts are he's going to be switching over to tight end with that body, but you have two of those kind of real pass catching prototype mold guys in the building now. So now what are we missing? We're missing that blocking threat. We're missing that guy who can get in there in the red zone, move some people around, get out, um, you know, and, and, and catch a pass in the red zone, catch a contested ball against, you know, DBs draped all over you. We're missing that type of dude. And, and, that's what we thought we had in Michael Masunas, and that's what I think we got here in Jack Nickel as well. He's 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 a really impressive blocker on tape. He said his dad was a tight end at Stanford, so he he kind of got some of that mentality from his dad, who was saying, you know, if you want to get the ball, go out there and block, do your job, and, and and maybe they'll find a way to get it to you. And and there was some really impressive plays. I, I played a little bit of tight end in high school, and. If anybody has never played the position, this specific part is is maybe going to be hard to explain in the audio format, but there's a one specific block that is damn near impossible a, as a tight end. So what you you're lined up on the end of the line of scrimmage, let's let's say for visualization's sake, you you're you're looking at the formation from the lens of the running back. So you're you're kind of back behind the line of scrimmage and you're looking forward. You got your tight end on the right side of the formation, right next to the right tackle, and he has a defensive end lined up just outside of him, right? Right on that outside shoulder. And you're running an outside run play to the right side. So your goal as the running back is you want to get outside of the tight end, which means the tight end, he's got to block that defensive end inside of you. So you basically have to step across the face as and now, now we're moving our perspective here to the tight end. You've got a guy that's lined up in front of you to the outside. You've got to find a way to get across his body and push him back inside. It's damn near impossible to do. It's it's one of the more difficult plays in football, I think. Jack Nickel has one play on his tape that that really stood out to me where he starts a guy off there on the left hash mark and he has to do that reach around block. He pushes the dude all the way across to the other hash mark. I mean, it's it just seemed so effortless for him, which is is really impressive. It gave the running back a wide open lane on the outside. I mean, he went 40 yards untouched uh, down the sideline because uh, of that block. And <clears throat> it was just something that, 
it, it shows a pretty advanced level of knowledge of the game. It, it shows a pretty advanced level of footwork. And, and that was really impressive when I was watching Jack Nichols tape. So I think we got a good one here. I think we got a good blocking tight end. The, the other thing that stuck out was their offense that they ran at, at his high school here. What's the name of the school? Milton High School. It seemed pretty similar to a Jack, uh, to a, to a Jack Johnson, Joe Johnson. What am I doing here? To a Michigan State offense. Uh, <laughs> it, it was, um, no, it was, it was really impressive. I, I think we got a good one here in Jack Nickel, the second tight end commitment. Uh, and the fourth tight end that we've brought in in two years, which kind of shows you Jay Johnson from the beginning had said this tight end room is going to be kind of the MVP of this offense. Stepped into the building and realized we didn't have any good ones on the roster. Uh, they went out and addressed that pretty pretty heavily, bringing in four tight ends in, in two classes, if you're including Malik Carr, the transfer. So. Uh, good work by the staff there getting uh, what 24-7 Composite has as our second-ranked player in this class behind Caten Hauser. So that, that was a big commitment. The other one, Aid Willie. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that first part right. I was looking for some kind of pronunciation guide on that. But Aid, Ade, I, I'm not really sure. Out of IMG, defensive back, Bradenton, Florida, uh, I, I thought this kid was a little bit underrated here. He, he When I was watching the tape, I was really impressed by his technique. Um, six foot two, you love to see that out of a cornerback, and he, and he plays like it. He gets right up in your face. He's he's playing press man often, which which I love to see as a young player. Um, mid mid three star guy, looks like he's going to come in and play some cornerback for us, but. I, I really did. I, I loved this tape. I, I thought that when you watched him go up and press at wide uh, press one of those wide receivers, there was no wasted effort, right? So when when the wide receiver is trying to get off the line of scrimmage and he's doing a lot of side to side moving around, trying to fake him out, lightning feet, you know, just trying to get in and out. And and Aid Willie is is not wasting a step. He he's not buying any of that head shoulder fakes. He's not he's not wasting movement. He's not wasting any steps. And he's just getting into his spots. He's getting into his rhythm, um, and, and really just locking everybody down. It, it was really impressive technical tape that I saw out of Aid Willie that I think is is going to be somebody who could come in and play for us right away with that length with that size and with that technique I think you're going to give yourself a shot to play right away and is especially when you think about the type of coaching the type of talent that he's going up against every single day at IMG I mean IMG wide receivers are are all going D1 right so he's getting those reps every single day in practice against top level talent and, and you can't really say that about a lot of dudes like you know the the joke always came back to Keon Coleman that he was playing against a bunch of like d7 private school kids from Louisiana who were five foot two 195 pound offensive linemen type schools right um he's going up against d1 guys every single day in practice which I think does give him a huge advantage over some of these kids who struggle to find that level of competition that can really match up with them. 
you know, you get some of these guys who are elite athletes at their school, at a smaller school, in a smaller conference. And yeah, you get to see them really dominate and that's fun. But from their perspective, it makes it really difficult to grow and to develop because you're just not getting reps against higher competition. So when you get to the college level, it's a huge jump and a huge learning curve to go from I'm dominating these little white kids to now I'm going up against, you know, grown ass men. And so that that transition, I think, will be a lot easier coming from a place like IMG. And again, you just watch that tape and you can see that he's well coached. You can see that he is taken to that coaching and really developed himself into a really nice player. So uh, really excited for this one, too. Uh, the tape was, yeah, I, I loved it. I, I think this is one of my favorite defensive backs that we've brought in. Um, to be honest. So I, I really like that. This brings our class right now, according to the 24-7 composite, to the number 32 ranked class in the country. Uh, previous year, we finished up at 45. So pretty nice jump up here with a lot of time to go and a lot of four-star type guys that are are seeming to be leaning Michigan State. Ryan Bear is a guy who's committing soon. He's like a high, high three-star Um who might be choosing Michigan State? You have what's it, Chase Carter, the defensive end out of Minnesota, high three star guy, who I think is announcing today, um, who who should be a good one. You got Antonio Gates's kid, who is a four star, who if he signs, so this could bump up even a little bit more. Uh, we could be pushing twenty five, right? Which, which is exciting. Again, we talk about recruiting rankings; they don't really mean anything, but. At the end of the day, it is exciting to see that logo listed among those those type of schools. When you get Michigan State being thrown in there, we're, we're one spot behind Florida, right in front of North Carolina. You know, you, you get thrown in the mix there, two spots behind USC. It, it is just a little bit exciting to see your logo in the mix there. Uh, I, I will say there is something about that, even uh, even as a fan who understands realistically what it means it's still exciting nonetheless so i i really like to see those commitments it was it was uh good to kind of sit down and watch the tape on them i know it's it's not news worthy for you guys as you're listening here this week but um i i think the perspective is is always good so Again, the other thing I wanted to do here is, is we'll dip into the first of the college football preview magazines that I'll kind of give you the Michigan State outline for and some things that I thought were interesting. We're going through Athlon today, Athlon Sports, uh, Athlon Publications. Uh, according to the the barcode here, it's 12 bucks. You can get them mostly anywhere that they sell these kind of college football preview magazines. It's a pretty popular one. Uh, I get it every year. I recommend it. Uh, the The thing about this year's edition is they printed it pretty early. I think they were the first publication out. So we are missing a little bit. We're, we're missing um, a couple of our transfers. And so the depth chart kind of stuff, it's a little bit out of whack. The... Um, projected order finish. I don't know if they would have adjusted it at all. Uh, but that is, you know, something to remember as we're going through this. So they have us ranked as far as the projected order of finish seventh 
in the Big Ten. He's dead last, tied with Rutgers. So I'm assuming that they have us losing that Rutgers game. Um, they don't go through game by game and and show you the whole breakdown, but they have us going four and eight overall, two and seven in the Big Ten. So I'm assuming they have us beating Western Kentucky and Youngstown State in our non-conference, losing to Miami and uh, losing a lot of Big Ten games. <laughs> so that's all right. Um, again, we're missing a couple of transfers there. I'm I'm curious to see if those projections would have changed at all when you when you add in a guy like uh Quiveris Crouch at linebacker who's not included in this um you know how that would adjust things so they also do a a unit ranking so they rank every unit in the Big 10 so your quarterbacks you know you have like Ohio State number 1 Indiana number 2 uh Minnesota they rank every position group so <clears throat> we'll just run across the board here Quarterbacks, they have us ranked 11th in the conference. Running backs, 9th in the conference. That one's a little bit surprising. I thought we could be a couple spots higher with the incoming transfers that we got. This one's surprising. Wide receivers and tight ends, 8th. I I really thought that this should be closer to 4, 5. And I was kind of surprised by that. So I went through and read... Their their little write up, their little piece on on Michigan State, and I'm flipping through the damn pages here, trying to get back to my trying to get back to my page. But um, they were talking about the wide receivers, and I don't know if this is you know one of the deals where it's like there there are multiple different people that are putting this thing together. There's one guy who's doing the writing. There's one guy who's doing the thing. I I don't really know. When you go through the write-up, they're talking about the offense, and this is a direct quote. The Spartans have one of the deepest wide receiver rooms in all of college football. And then they have them ranked eighth in the conference with wide receivers and tight ends. And I know you're you're mixing the tight ends in there as well, and our tight end group isn't, isn't great. But when you say we're one of the deepest groups in the country at wide receiver, and then rank us number eight, that that was just a little bit weird, a little bit surprising. I mean, behind a Wisconsin, behind Michigan even, I, I think we could easily have an argument to say we should be above both of those schools. Purdue at number five. They have David Bell, who is an absolute stud at wide receiver, but they don't have much behind him. So um, that was that was a bit weird. All, offensive line ranked 11th. Defensive line ranked 10th. Linebackers ranked 11th. Again, not including Coiveras Crouch, who I think is day one the best linebacker on the team. So maybe that bumps us up one or two spots. Um, And then you have our defensive backs ranked 10th. So the wide receivers and tight ends, the highest ranked group at at number eight in the Big Ten out of 14. Uh, We had three groups, quarterbacks, offensive line, and linebackers that were all ranked 11th the worst. So nothing worse than 11th, but nothing better than 8th. Um, not terribly exciting, but I think that's kind of a reality that we're living in. Mel Tucker is turning over this roster as best he can, but you know, it takes time because there wasn't a lot of talent left on that roster when, when Mark D'Antonio left it, unfortunately, um, Big 10 teams, all big 10 teams. There are two Michigan state players. We have both on the third team. 
We have Jacob Pensch. I'm sorry, Jacob Penshuk's second team defense. Uh, I thought he was third teamer. Second team defensive line, Jacob Panishuk. And third team specialist, third team kicker, Matt Coughlin. So uh, just two guys on there. Again, really not terribly surprising. I don't know who else you would have really put in there. Um, You know, you could say a guy like Kenneth Walker, but he's somebody without any big 10 experience. And then when you're looking at the running backs around the conference, I mean, Tyler Goodson and Mo Ibrahim on the first team, those are locks from Iowa and Minnesota master Teague at Ohio state is somebody who has been in the mix there for a few years. He's been doing a really good job. Jalen Berger at Wisconsin is a fun player. Noah Kane at Penn state really showed out last year. And then I think this last spot is where maybe you could fit in a guy like Kenneth Walker, but Hassan Haskins at Michigan, he did play pretty well last year at times, um, broke off a couple big runs. So I think he could be deserving of that spot, but um, Jaden Reed, I guess maybe Jalen Naylor, the other guys, but again, this is a pretty loaded conference when you're looking at wide receivers and they're only putting two wide receivers on each team. So you're looking at six spots and Chris Olave and, and Garrett Wilson together at Ohio State. Those are locks. Ty Freifogel, David Bell, Indiana and Purdue. Those are locks. Um, so then beyond that, you're looking at only two more spots for the rest of the conference. So that that's a tough one to crack. And so um, only two guys on there again, not not really that surprising for me. And then we dip into the Michigan State side. There's a couple stats I want to mention, and then these these coaching quotes I, I think are really interesting, so we'll hit on those as well. The one thing they do with the stats, they have five factors. College football's most important stats, according to the Athlon magazine. We have field position, average starting field position by the yard line, pretty simple. You have efficiency, the rate of successful play, of successful plays, excuse me. So on first down, are you gaining 50% of the necessary yards? So if you're on first and 10, are you gaining at least five yards? That is a successful, efficient play according to this statistic. On second down, are you gaining 70% of the necessary yards? So if it's first and five or second and five, are you gaining at least, what is that, three and a half yards, um, give or take? And are you gaining 100% of your uh, yards to gain on third down? So basically, are you getting at least half of the way there on first down? Are you getting most of the way there on second down? And then are you finishing it off on third down? Those are considered efficient drives. And that goes <clears throat> vice versa for both sides of the ball. Explosiveness is the third stat which is just simply yards per play. Uh, Finishing drives is the fourth stat here. Points per trip inside the 40-yard line. So once you get inside the 40, are you finishing the job and scoring points, scoring touchdowns ideally? And last but not least, adjusted turnover margin. Um, Pretty simple there. Field position, we were ranked 124th in the country on offense, starting at the average of the 25.4 yard line. And on defense, we were 122nd in the country. Opposing teams were averaging field position starting at the 35.3. So basically, on average, the defense, when we were going out on the field, the the offense was um, starting 10 yards 
ahead of what our offense was starting from on every single drive last year, which is obviously not good. <laughs> We're giving up a lot of, and, and a lot of that's pretty intuitive when you look at some of the turnover problems that we had last year that we'll get into a lot of short fields. You remember like that Rutgers game with seven turnover. We were just giving the ball to them inside the 50 yard line every drive. So that makes sense. Efficiency, 122nd on offense, 25th on defense. So so really did a good job on defense of limiting um, those those efficiency numbers on offense. Explosiveness, 109th in the country on offense with just 4.8 yards per play. On defense, ranked 31st in the country, 5.3 yards per play. So did a good job of limiting explosive plays for the most part out of the outside of the Ohio State game, obviously. Uh, finishing drives, we were 118th on offense, 3.4 yards per drive inside the 40-yard line. Defense, we were 68th in the country, a little bit better. Um, yeah, I, I mean, pretty simple. A lot of field goals, not a lot of touchdowns. And the adjusted turnover margin, we were damn near last, 118th. It, it was <laughs> there. There's a stat in here. On offense, we turned the ball over on 19.6% of drives. We had 102 drives. We turned the ball over on 20 of them. That is unheard of bad and dead last in the country. That is... I've never heard a stat anything close to that. I've never imagined an offense that could turn the ball over one out of every five drives that's insane to me a three and out once every five to once every five drives is bad a turnover every five oh my goodness like you go back and you kind of remember the season like we're we're far enough removed that you're you're kind of falling into one of two camps, I think, for most people. Either the pro Mel Tucker camp, who is like, man, year one, didn't have a lot to work with, yada, 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 and we beat Michigan and we beat Northwestern, like the, the arrow's pointing up. And then you have the other group was like, yeah, but you remember how bad the other games were? And I find myself somewhere in between, but... Yeah, like you start really thinking back and and I've rewatched all these games a couple times. You're like, man, this offense was painful to watch. Not only did we have a hard time moving the ball down the field, but half the time we were turning it over anyway. And it was just brutal. So please, Jay Johnson, please, Peyton Thorne, please, Anthony Rousseau, whoever's stepping in there. Like we need to see something here. Stop turning the ball over move the ball down the field, score touchdowns when you get into the red zone. Like this is, it was hard to watch. It was really hard to watch at times last year. Um, Let's see, what else do we got here? Uh, The rest of it's pretty self-explanatory, just a little write-ups. Key Spartans this year, they have Anthony Rousseau, the Temple transfer, Kenneth Walker, the Wake Forest transfer at running back, and then Jacob Panishuk, the defensive end, who they had as a second team all defensive player. Uh, rising star, they had Ma'a Nauteote, the true freshman linebacker from Prep Powerhouse. 
Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. The four-star prospect was the highest-ranked player in Mel Tucker's 2021 class. Spartans are anemic at linebacker, and now Teote could play himself into the rotation. Again, this is pre-Quiveras Crouch, so when you're looking at the starting lineup of Noah Harvey and Chase Klein, and you're thinking, yeah, now Teote could work himself into that. We we talked about that on the podcast. I think Quiveras Crouch steps in from day one, so I think there's only really one available spot, and if now Teote can take that, then that would be huge for our future. I just don't think that's realistically going to happen, especially early in the season. Last thing here is is the opposing coach quotes. I'll read these verbatim and, and then I'll kind of give you my thoughts. So there were, I think, three quotes. One of them is it's pretty long, so we'll, we'll have to bear with me on that one. But first quote here, again, these are anonymous. Uh, quote, it's really hard to judge much of anything they did on the field last year. They got hired late and didn't get any time after the pandemic. I think you haven't really seen what they want to do yet. I think that's a very reasonable take. I think that's something that we've all been saying that there just hasn't really been any time. We don't really know what we're looking at yet. We don't know if what we're watching is good, if it's bad, if it's on pace for what it should be. It's it's really hard to get a grasp of that. So reasonable, responsible, uh, uh, anonymous take there. Second one's a bit long-winded here, so uh, bear with me. So, quote, What's most interesting to us is that hiring Mel Tucker is a 180 from Mark D'Antonio in so many ways, but really the program identity is the total opposite. The old MSU was all about development, consistency, sort of that Big Ten West approach, but maybe they could get in on a few more high-end guys. That was the model that built those Rose Bowl teams. Tucker is going to be a recruiting-focused guy trying to turn that brand into a peer to Michigan and Ohio State. Is that possible? When you can't land the same five stars, are you going to be able to make the three stars work for you? That's my question about that offense. They were terrible because of a new staff and a new scheme and the pandemic, but they're also trying to do something very different. This one's interesting. Um, we, we've talked about this before, about how it is kind of a 180 in many ways from what Mark D'Antonio brought to the table. I think there is something to be said about a similar mentality as sort of blue collar, a sort of go to work every day. And I think the... I think, first of all, there there's an, a little bit of an unfair comment there as far as um, basically saying that they're not going to be able to develop three-star guys. Um, I, I think that that might be a little bit unfair uh, in saying, like, basically, well, those guys could develop the three-star guys. Mel Tucker just wants to go after five stars, and when he can't get them, and when he gets the three stars and he can't develop them, well, then what? Like, I think that that might be a bit unfair, but you know he's only been a head coach for two years in two different programs, so we haven't really seen him uh, develop players. Now, we've seen him as a position coach. We've seen him as a coordinator develop some really good defenses. Um, so I, I think there is a little bit of a background there. But um, sure, I think that is a legitimate criticism that that you could use in saying you're you're trying to turn a program into one that can recruit nationally recruit with the big boys and use that talent 
rather than, hey, we're going to get our guys in the building. That was the Mark D'Antonio way, right? We're going to get our guys. I don't care if you're undersized. I don't care if if you're, you know, your talent isn't quite there yet. If you love the game of football, if you're going to come and give us everything you got, you got a spot here in East Lansing, and that's just not the Mel Tucker way. And it is very different approach, and it is taking, I think, fans a little bit of time to get it readjusted to that. But when you see some of these guys that we are starting to pull in, um, you get a little bit of a glimpse of the plan. But, you know, again, I mean, he makes a, a pretty legitimate question here and saying, like, you know, you're you're trying to turn this into recruiting battles with Michigan, with Ohio State, with Penn State. If you can't win those recruiting battles, then what? Right? And I, I think that is an interesting question. I think that is something that maybe we haven't really, we, we've gotten wrapped up in a lot of hype, I think, as a fan base. And I think that's a legitimate question here. If we're, I don't think we're really talking about the 2022 class even. The 2021 class, as far as like recruiting rankings and stuff, throw that out the window. There's no way he was going to be able to land a, a top 25 class. I mean, that was just a completely unrealistic possibility. 2022, I think you're starting to lay some groundwork. If by next year you're not starting to pull in some of the really, you know, hey, he can come in and start from day one type of guys, um, is that going to be starting to hang a little bit of a cloud over us? Is that going to be something that the staff is going to struggle with? Is that going to be something that, you know, changes our mentality as a fan base a little bit? I don't know. I I, I really don't know the answer to that because, again, this is totally different from Mark D'Antonio, and I think we're all just kind of sitting back a little bit here and and just kind of watching the process unfold and I think you have sides you have people on both sides of the table that are are saying that this is never going to work this is this was the wrong hire this is we're paying too much money for a guy to come in who was inexperienced and and all of that and then you have guys who are really excited who are th- you know we're recruiting Georgia we're recruiting Florida we're going to turn this into a national program we're going to turn this into you know we're going to get back to the to the 2013 to 15 run like I don't know. And I think, you know, it's it's okay to just kind of sit back and and watch the ride progress and and we'll see how it all works out, but I think that is an interesting quote. And the last one here, he says, quote, "I think you're going to see more growing pains because this probably isn't the kind of staff that's going to modify what they do for the talent left over from D'Antonio." They want to be very different and they want to impose that on the program right away, which means it's going to look a little rough for a while. Again, I think this is a little bit of a shot. This is a little bit of a shot at the on-field coaching of this staff and saying like, all right, these guys are going to go out on the recruiting trail. That's fine. But what are you going to do with the players on the field? You know, you're not going to be able to... uh, to do anything with these players. You're not going to be able to develop them because there's no talent on the team right now. And yeah, maybe, maybe that's a little bit unfair. I don't know. We, we beat a top 10 Northwestern team. We beat Michigan in their house with the talent left over from D'Antonio. So um, yeah, no, I, I think 
there there's a lot of interesting like layers to some of these quotes that i think maybe aren't aren't exactly fair again but uh i i think are interesting just because the staff as a whole is pretty unproven mel tucker as as a, a single singular personality is pretty unproven as a head coach so we'll see what ends up happening with all this i think it's really interesting to to just kind of take this ride and appreciate how different this is from anything we've seen over the last, you know, what, 14 years under Mark D'Antonio. So uh, this is fun. I, I really love getting into these college football magazines. I'm a college football junkie. I mean, I'm, I'm reading the write-ups on every one of these teams so that I can get ready for a long fall of watching a ton of college football. Um, but from strictly the Michigan State perspective, from strictly looking at it um, from our point of view and, and just looking at our team and how they have us projected, um, I think there's a lot of good stuff in here. And I think that getting a, a, a national view, you know, we, we get so wrapped up into the Michigan State beat writers and the the Michigan beat writers and the the regional stuff, the Detroit News, the the 24-7 spartans wire like you get wrapped up in a lot of the local takes and it is kind of interesting to to take that bird's eye view of what the national media is starting to say about a michigan state program that is a national brand whether espn wants to admit it or not so we'll get into more of these we got the pff one like i said I've got the Phil Steele one. Those are both, I've already read them. I've already gone through them. Uh, Pick six previews is the other one that I'll have to, we're we're still waiting a little bit on. I think he said uh, that will be published soon. So that one will be coming as well. But uh, again, this was Athlon previews. You can, um, Athlon sports preview. You can find these at pretty much any grocery store. I'm pretty sure. Um, pick it up 12 bucks. I think it's worth worth the price of admission. If you are a big college football fan like I am and, and you want to kind of read up on some of these teams that you don't maybe know a whole lot about, you don't know who's coming back from COVID. Um, if you are a, a gambler, a, a wagerer, if you will, on sports, um, these this is important information here for you. So um, it's always good stuff. Well, Again, I I do apologize for the uh, for the the missing of the last week and for the lack of communication from our end. Um, if you were waiting for a podcast, I I really I am sorry. It, it was the first week that we've had a missing week, but that that's it, it was something that was eating at me a little bit last week of just like ah oh, damn, like I I think we we missed a, an opportunity there. We missed uh, a chance to give our listeners more content and i think that we've been doing a pretty good job of staying consistent with this to this point but uh unfortunately a little lapse in in our judgment a little lapse in our scheduling there so we apologize on behalf of my myself and my co-host but uh here we are we're back we're we're getting into late summer right around the corner guys really excited uh, for some Michigan State football. So until next week, I hope you sell, you have yourselves a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care, folks.